Shatner's log, air date, unknown. The impossible has happened. It would take days to recount the events I've witnessed. So, settle in. Space. The final frontier. These are the recordings of the podcast, Give Me That Star Trek. It's ongoing mission to explore all of Star Trek, to seek out new guests and new opinions, to boldly go where many have gone before. Welcome to episode 9 of Gimme That Star Trek, a proud member of the Fire and Water Network. I'm your host, Siskoid, and in the last episode, I reviewed the entire original series with the help of a few friends. Uh, It's the four-hour monster you haven't finished listening to yet. While I was recruiting guest reviewers, my good friend Fern from the Lonely Hearts Romance Comics podcast offered to review Where No Fan Has Gone Before, the special Star Trek Futurama episode. That was out of bounds for episode 8, but I thought it would make a fun, standalone episode. So... To talk about that and Futurama's other links to Star Trek, here's Fern! Hi there! Fern, before we go any further, you've got to take the quiz every guest has to date. Okay. You know, so the people out there know what they're dealing with. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, what, What's the pass-fail on this <laughs> quiz? <laughs> Can I get a do-over? Uh, we've had uh, <laughs> mega fans, and we've had people who've never really seen an episode. What could I do for extra credit? <laughs> uh, well, uh, try this for... What's your connection to Star Trek? Why is it important or not to you? Well, okay, this is actually going to be funny. Uh, I was a lot more of a Star Wars fan than Star Trek. And, you know, back in the day, it was you were either a Trek fan or you were a Wars fan or you were one of those lonely, forgotten Battlestar Galactica fans. Just, you know, left by the wayside. But but Cylons are cool. Nah, honey, we got C-3PO and, you know, Data. Uh, I never really was big into Star Trek, but my first contact, (laughs) pun, was Star Trek Next Generation, which I actually got into because of uh, LeVar Burton and his Reading Rainbow TV show. And I saw the one episode where he was on set for Generations. I was like, hmm, this is cool. Doors have a weird sound. They open by themselves, and he's got a cool, like, pair of glasses. I want to know more about this. So my first Star Trek foray was uh, Next Generation. Like a lot of people. Yeah. Your age, I imagine. Yeah, and I liked it. It, it. it was never a competition of Star Trek versus Star Wars for me. It's just my first entry was really Star Wars, then Star Trek. The age that I was shown them, I was like, a toddler, early child, so four or five-ish. And the thing is, Star Wars was a lot more action-oriented. It was a lot less political intrigue, talking, discovery, like which Star Trek was. It was exploration. There was a lot uh, – the, the, the whole prime directive. Ethical dilemma. Exactly. Yeah. You know, that, that stuff was a bit over my head versus, yeah, this guy can jump real high and has a sword made of lasers. As a child, I mean, could you really blame me to go to the one with a little teddy bear and a guy with a sword made of light? Okay. I was always more cerebral, so. It's just that for me at that age, you know, sometimes a lot of the stuff in Star Trek went over my head. It was still cool, and so like the ships and all that, but there was less of that than Star Wars. Now, again, this is a series of movies versus TV, 
So there's a production value in there. But as I grew on, however, I realized, oh, all the political drama in Star Wars is complete garbage. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm able to say that. You know, I studied political science and I go, yeah, this is garbage. This would never fly in any sort of democracy run system. This is straight up garbage. Whereas Star Trek, okay, this is a bit fly by the seat of your pants still. But it's a lot more believable. There's a lot more characters, a lot more effort put into the writing. Well, when you've got like 700 hours yeah. to work with as well. I mean, it's, it's a yeah. deeper universe yeah. just, so, just because of that in and, a way. And for that, because my first contact with Star Trek was The Next Generation, I came upon DS9, one of your favorites. Cisco is your favorite captain. You do call me Ciscoid. Yes. The reason I didn't get onto that one, and you're going to go, oh, they weren't in a ship. For me, Star Trek, there was the Enterprise, and they were going through space, exploring, doing stuff. It's DS9? It's a station. They're not going anywhere. No, but the galaxy's coming I, to them. I know, but for me at that time, <laughs> yeah, it's just sense. like, eh, where are they? Oh, they're in, they're in the you know solar system? Yeah. <laughs> I answered like, the wormhole. Anyway, I know, but anyway. still. I know. So, <laughs> And I look back on it, and... Well, that's a, that's, you're just an idiot for thinking that. Because <laughs> I've seen a few episodes and they're really great. At the time, I was like, mm, they don't have a cool ship. They can't shoot proton torpedoes. Bye. Click. That's why I never got into DS9. I'm sorry. Okay, okay that's all right. Well, let's see if you've got any favorites. So let's do the uh, the James Lipton okay. <laughs> quiz. Bouillon de Couture. Yeah, yeah. That yeah, yeah. What is your favorite Star Trek swear word? Uh, it would be <laughs> That's not part of the questions, uh, but maybe I should add it. Yeah, yeah, do uh, it. <laughs> uh, now, what's your favorite show or version of Star Trek? Is it Next Gen? It is Next Gen. It's the one I watched the most. What's your favorite character? Oh, man. Uh, Next Gen had so many very strong characters. Like, they were very defined as to what they do, and they all had, including Wesley Crusher, although... Were the Wesley Crusher-centric episodes my favorites? Not really. <laughs> uh, were they anyone's favorites? I'd wager to say not really. I think he's got a good one in there somewhere. Oh, yeah, definitely. But it always was Picard. I mean, if you go big or go home, Picard. <laughs> and what's your your favorite alien species oh, man. or culture? I'd have to say Klingons. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they were pretty cool. A lot of people's favorites, I think. Yeah. Goes with your swear word. <laughs> Hold on, let me get my box. Let's get into the actual topic, which actually uh, <laughs> does have a couple of um, next-gen references. That's fine. But um, really, it's about, you know, it's an homage, yeah, tribute, absolutely. parody of the original series, and that's Futurama's Where No Fan Has Gone Before. It was the season finale. It, it, it turned out, at the time, it was the series finale because they weren't picked up again yeah. until they, you know, went, uh, they made straight-to-DVD movies, and yeah. then, you know, the, the show started again mm-hmm. in later years. But back then, the fourth season was the last, and it played last. Mm-hmm. Although it was the 11th in production, it actually right. like, it was, it was aired, like 14th. It was, it was aired as the uh, in final episode. Yeah, the, as the final episode. So, all right. So it had jokes about Star Trek's tropes, of course. Absolutely. Uh, also about the actors and their personal lives. <laughs> and yeah. uh, about fandom. Yes. About Star Trek fandom. Well, uh, that was the crux of the episode. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah the, the... And also the cancellation of Futurama. A quick reference by Bender. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Another classic science fiction show canceled before its time. 
let's see. What, what's the plot of this episode? You want to you want to sure. do the little plot? Or? Sure. Basically, Leela starts off the episode with the professor's going to take a small nap, so they only have the time to watch six movies. So. <laughs> More or less 12 to 13 hours for a small nap for the professor. <laughs> so they're in a video store, which for some reason still exists in the, in the 30th century. 30th century. And Fry suggests, why not watch the first six Star Trek movies? Where an alarm is set off because Star Trek in that century has been banned. And then we kick off the episode as to why it was banned. Can we find the videotapes? Because Fry is just really big on Star Trek, the original series. And he actually brings up a great point. The original series is what taught him to be accepting and positive, you know, be open to friendship and all that. Which is actually uh, an interesting, if you go deeper than the jokes... It's very you know, sweet. And Star Trek was the thing that maybe made him made it possible for him to adapt to the future. Absolutely. He's a man from our century. And, uh, you know, his his main romantic interest is a cyclops. Yeah. And he works with a crab man. And, yeah, and a robot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and a Jamaican. Yeah, his best friend's a robot. So yeah. it's Star Trek sort of primed him for mm-hmm. these things. So it's kind of a strange... It's almost like a backdoor well, origin story. L- later on in, in the way. later on in the episode, he tells people directly that Star Trek taught him that anyone can be important, whether you're white, black, an alien, or a woman. It's like, yeah. ooh, all right, <laughs> okay. Well, uh, it goes. It's, it's ham-fisted because of yeah. the show, and it goes to TOS being right. kind of sexist. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, uh, even I believe. Uh, William Shatner's Comedy Central roast, he even mentions how they were very progressive on the show. He, don't know if this is particularly true, but he and Nichelle Nichols shared an on-screen kiss, yes, and that was the... Right, Plato's stepchildren was, was the Was it thing. the first interracial kiss on TV? Apparently? Or, yeah, like, uh, I'm okay. not sure if that's true, well, because it's William Shatner. No, no, it's true. It's it's a true okay. tale. Uh, what My, no, what I mean, isn't so true... It was it the what, first? No, it was the first. Okay. What makes it untrue is that the take they took uh-huh. doesn't actually... Like, they did the kiss. Right. And then, then they tried different ways of doing it. Right. And basically, when you look at it, right. the edit hides the kiss. Oh. So there's a... They've kissed, and he's, like, sort of rearing back after okay. the kiss. Or, or he's, they, they thought it was still too hot for the, TV. Yeah, the lip contact isn't clear or isn't shown right. as well as... Right. You know, you'd but, expect it to be. But during his roast, he even mentions, we were so progressive, we even let George drive. A play on the whole stereotypical Asians can't drive. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, Bill, come well, it's on. A roast, but, yeah, but... But William Shatner would go on to make, you know, recent convention appearances where he's very much not progressive. <laughs> oh, absolutely not. I'm going to I'm gonna be... I'll go on record. I'll, I'll take this bullet for you. William Shatner's an asshole. <laughs> There's a reason I've unfollowed him from Twitter. Because I was like, even I could go... Bill, I mean, come on, man. He's got a bit uh, grandpa get off my lawn yeah. mode. Uh, but in it's his been more 80s. and more progressive. Is it just because he's no longer gives a shit and can just, man, whatever, I'll say what I want. I'm 80 million years old. Who's, who's going to stop me? Or is he just becoming more and more senile? <laughs> Like, is, is it, is it you know, devolving into senility and he just lost all filter because of it? Or does he truly not give a shit? Although when this episode was made... I mean, this was back in what? 2003. Okay. It says yeah. here. 
on the wiki. <laughs> but at that time, I think Shatner uh, was in... Oh, that, that the, was like 14 years ago. Yeah, so but he was probably a lot more lucid. I, I was going to say he was in the mode where he was... Uh, his whole thing was making fun of himself. Right. He was really like about sending himself up uh, every appearance in every sitcom in the late 90s. Oh, yeah. And was really about that. Was, yeah. You know, before... Eventually, he... He was a very larger-than-life character. Yeah. Kind of like... Uh, one of the few things I enjoy of Family Guy, um, Adam West, right, is very just like I'm Adam West and just very '60s Batman, but still Adam West. Yeah, I'd say Adam West, William Shatner, and Tom Baker would be like the <laughs> Doctor Who's Tom Baker would oh be like God. the. Could you imagine those three in a room superstars of the this is like the Three Stooges of sci-fi? <laughs> no, they wouldn't. They wouldn't work William together. William Shatner, they're all big no, no. egos. The, the Three Stooges don't work together. William Shatner would be Mo, quiet and knucklehead. <laughs> so at this point, they still do the jokes where yes, uh, Shatner yeah. is an ass. Yes. Uh, and he's an ass to the others. And mm-hmm. this was true of their relationship. We haven't finished the synopsis, actually. So okay. what happens later is that they want to get those tapes back. They were right. almost dumped on a planet. They were dumped on, I believe, Omega-3. Omega-3, which, is... which must be in the same system as Omega-4, oh, which is from, um, which was the planet of the Yangs and the Combs, where somehow United States history was repeated right down to the Civil Constitution. War? Okay. The Omega Glory, the episode was called. So it has to be in the same system. (laughs) So they go to Omega 3 with the head of um, Leonard Leonard Nimoy, Nimoy, who had appeared on the show before. He was in the pilot episode, so we knew he wasn't with the rest of the crew because we knew he was in the Hall of Heads. Right. So they bring... (laughs) Also love when they pick up Leonard Nimoy, Jonathan Frakes just slides Slides in. He's like, yes! Front row. Front row. <laughs> so I'll, I'll, I imagine all the next-gen guys are just behind. Yeah, but see, that brings up a wonderful point. Because in this episode, Star Trek, the original series, was banned. But Jonathan Frakes is still a celebrity head in the Museum of Well, Heads. so is Leonard so, Nimoy. Right. And Star Trek's been name-dropped without all the alarms going on. Right. So, I mean, it's... Right, but in this episode, like, why pick Jonathan Frakes? So... Star Trek, Star Trek the, the Next Generation. <laughs> yeah, he was he was there. I'll give you my voice. Next Generation, Voyager, Deep Space Nine. They're all fine. They're all canon. You know, do you want to watch First Contact or whichever other one from Star Trek Next Generation that I'm forgetting the name? Nemesis Insurrection. Yeah. There you go. And uh, yeah, do you want to watch those? That's fine. But the original Star Trek? No. Those are the ones that went too far. They are forbidden. Yes. Uh, they started religions and yeah. You know. You know, like you do. Also, kind of a cheap dig at Star Trek fans, and they were killed in the only way befitting a Star Trek virgin. Just tossed into a volcano, he's dead, Jim. Tossed into a volcano, he's dead, Jim. I was like, okay, that's that's a bit mean. But was but... written by a Star Trek super fan. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. David Goodman went on to that episode. It was basically his audition for a job on Enterprise. <laughs> really? He wrote four episodes of Enterprise wow. and became uh, one of the producers in the second season. Oh, yeah, that's pretty uh, cool. Yeah, and uh, today is writing the fake autobiographies of Starfleet Captains. So he's already written the Kirk one, and he's uh, uh, they're set to release a Picard one. Was the Kirk one just how many green women he's banged? I, I have not read it. I have not read it. But uh, Goodman, I know is, what to get you for. Yeah, Christmas. Goodman is on the Goodman is on the uh, uh, commentary track. Okay, and uh, he was basically like the the biggest super fan of the mm-hmm. group. The least super fan of the group was Matt Grenning, really originator of Futurama, yeah, yeah. who has never claims. 
yeah. on that tape that he never uh, he's never seen an original series episode all the way through. You know what? He claims that on a lot of the commentaries. <laughs> on just I, I've never watched. Uh, no, this. I don't. I don't know what this it's, joke is about. Yeah, sure, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what he says. Yeah. So they go to to, to Omega Three, and uh, there the um, there's like these weird pieces of set yeah. from different uh, Star Trek episodes. Yeah, like the and, Wild West, and then the the Greek set and all that. Which and the were, original cast, which were probably you know <laughs> leftovers from other sets on the lot. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. A lot. A lot of the reason why there are parallel Earths. Yeah. Type stories and <laughs> oh, they were Star filming Trek. an old Will West yeah. movie. Yeah, yeah, just grab grab the Western yeah. set, grab the Greco-Roman <laughs> set, grab the whatever. Yeah. We've you discovered know. a cowboy planet. <laughs> it's a lot of a Paramount lot and you yeah. know the costumes and mm. that's why there's a Nazi episode. <laughs> I'm sure it's just because we got all the Nazi uniforms. It's oh. not a good idea. Let's no, do it anyway. absolutely not. <laughs> so they get to that planet and the rest of the crew is all there with bodies and uh, well, the full. rest of the crew. We have everyone except Scotty, Scotty who's replaced by Welshy. And Welshy redshirts it. <laughs> he gets zapped. Yeah. Three times. And he has only one line, and it's in Welsh. I do I want a mad one whirl. Here's the translation for that Welsh. Oh, really? Okay. I am very drunk. <laughs> She's a good replacement for Scotty. <laughs> And the reason there's no Scotty is because James well, Doohan was the only cast member still alive because DeForest Kelly, you see Bones, yeah, but yeah. he has no dialogue because right. DeForest Kelly had passed. Was James Doohan dead at Not that Not yet, but he, he, he was... Very close. He was close. A couple of years off. Right. It's not because he died. It's because he was the only one to say no to the, the casting call. Oh. So it was a... Apparently, this was a very hard to get all these voices together because right. everybody hates Shatner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> With good reason. Except for Nimoy. But Nimoy had already participated. Uh, Nichelle Nichols had been in an episode in a yes. Tales of Interest. Yep. Uh, and she was in the uh, the one with Gary Gygax, I believe. Yeah, she, they were part of that crew. Yeah, that the, think tank with Deep Blue. And, Deep Blue. And, yeah. <laughs> it's um, nice to meet you. And, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so she was in that group. And so she actually played ambassador for the show because she'd been well-treated. Right. So she helped convince some of the others yeah. to participate. Like Walter and Shatner and... had to be also encouraged. Billy West, who plays Fry yeah. and Farnsworth and others. Yeah, and uh, pretty much half the show. Half the show. Had a talk with Shatner because Shatner, like I guess actor to actor, right? Uh, apparently, because he wasn't sure if this was a good idea and this is going to be, am I going to end up being humiliated or is are you trashing the show? And, yeah. Because Nimoy had done it, because Nichols had done it, yeah. and with Billy West's good word in it, saying, you know, these people are, like, super fans. Yeah, yeah. Uh, It's a parody, but it's a tribute. And Shatner was going, well, I sort of already did all that on uh, Saturday Night Live. So I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, but this to... is funnier than Saturday yeah, Night Live. I, I don't know if I want to do that again. And he, he was convinced to do it. Right. Everybody signed up for it, even though mm. there was a lot still, a yeah. lot of animosity between the lower cast. <laughs> Let's use that pun. The lower <laughs> cast and the, you know and the main stars right uh there was still some animosity there mm -hmm. but it makes fun of that yeah and i think maybe that's what charmed the others and there were some script rewrites koenig right. didn't have as many lines as the others mm -hmm. uh, for example and he mentioned it he said well, you know well i'm used to playing seventh banana is what seventh banana that's, that's, wow. that's what he said 
according to the commentary track. They thought that was funny, so they added lines just yeah. to, like to balance it, but also because... <laughs> to poke fun at him anyways. Because the lines yeah. they added, I'm pretty sure it's uh, when he says, after Star Trek, I became an actor <laughs> and became someone important with yeah. credit cards and keys. So it seems everyone included had a good sense of humor about oh, it. Yeah. And... George Takei has always been very self-aware for that. Oh, yeah. and so his lines were very funny. I think it was Zab Brannigan. Mm-hmm. says, and now for someone to explain it in a sexy voice. And George goes, don't mind if I do. It's like, oh, you smooth dude. Just sliding in there. Says, yeah, okay. Yeah. Fair enough. So they all agreed to it except for Dewan, yeah. who apparently did not say no. He said no way. Jeez. Wow. So, and I think he's the one, I'd have to check, but I think he's the one that did not want to participate in uh, Star Trek Memories, which is uh, the, the sort of open uh, how, way that... How mean was Shatner to him? I don't wow. know. But yeah, because uh, the way uh, Star Trek Memories is written, it's Shatner's memoir, but it keeps... Uh, Shatner says something, then everyone else goes, no, that's not well, how Well, he let happened. other people participate so that you'd get two sides of the story. And mm-hmm. uh, he knew there was this this animosity, and he wanted to just... I, I, I think it's an interesting concept air. for a book. Yeah. To just give them the chance to tell their side of it, uh, and that perhaps... You know, there, there's something about, about Shatner that despite his immense ego mm-hmm. in many projects, he also seems to, to reflect on his behavior at the time, and he's got his reasons, and he's got his yeah. justifications for it, and he was he was thinking of the work, and mm-hmm. for him, George Shakai is just a day player. Shows up once a week, mm-hmm. sits down at the console, has a couple lines, leaves, and there's no friendship, mm-hmm. uh, except between the guys that are always working together right. more tightly, the, the top three. Right. So he's got his reasons to have been a jackass, if you will, or have been standoffish, mm-hmm. uh, but letting all the others tell their side of it and how they felt through it and what Star Trek meant to them mm-hmm. and what Shatner meant to them. <laughs> uh, so I always thought he was, you know, at least he had that in him. He was right. open to the other interpretations and giving the full story and yeah. uh, that his own perception was not be all and end all. Right. Uh, which I think is one of the reasons he participated in this as well and right. let all these jokes fly. And oh, he's a dick, but, you know, yeah. he's capable of making fun of himself yeah. in this episode, for yeah. sure. So he knows he's a dick, is, is I guess, is the as maybe the takeaway. So where were we? Oh, yeah. So we – and I thought we, we were talking about the – how they got the cast all – almost all together right and i thought well at least they probably did their sound stuff not on the same day you know okay yeah. we're, we're participating in this together right do, but do, we don't do, have to do be we... there together right. right but apparently i think they were because the story goes oh, that everybody wanted to meet them and see that recording session of course right but then they didn't want to have like well we're already making fun of this the, the right. fact that super fans right can be uh, oppressive we don't want to play with that too much but what wound up happening is that everybody just hid in the green room, in the closet, mm-hmm. in the yeah. technical booths, just hid. And then they would sneak in a look, you know, walk into the recording studio and just take a look through the glass yeah. and then be happy with it. And then at the end, they all did come out as like a clown car yeah. of 45 people <laughs> at Futurama Central to, yeah, yeah, yeah. to just meet all these people and greet right. them and... So they all Show recorded. So apparently they were all there at the same time, if, if I understand this story right. They... Well, I, I can understand that, like, Leonard, Walter, and Nichelle, and all those guys, they'd want to, like, reconnect. I mean, from, from what I can understand, everybody else was at least on good terms with one another, except for, you know, Bill being the main antagonist of the group, from what I understand. Yeah, so I, th- I think Bill and Leonard 
Leonard Nimoy. Yeah, those those, those were best buds. friends. But even Leonard and everybody else, they had you know good working relationship. And you know, for Leonard, it was like, yeah, I have this good friend that I like very much, but you guys don't like, and I can respect that. But everyone else was still good friends with one another, so I can understand them being in a recording studio. It's like you got your pals back, you know. There, there's there's <laughs> yeah. there's some playful ribbing, and the energy has to be different in a recording studio. You know, it'd be like if we were recording this, I was at home on Skype, and you're here. It's not the same. No, for sure. So anyway, let's get back to the plot of this sure. thing. The reason the Star Trek cast is alive and useful right. is because they've been kept that way by an energy being named Melvar. And Melvar... With three L's. I think I've done enough conventions to know how to spell Melvar. And Melvar is just a cloud, uh, like a bad special effect from which the original pointed, series. Which is pointed out by Bender. Yeah. What a cheap special effect. And then Maurice LaMarche. I'm not a cheap special effect! <laughs> and, oh, it's wonderful. And Melvar has always lived on that planet. Yeah. Uh, and uh, got the tapes when they dumped the tapes there, when they exiled the tapes. Mm-hmm. Became a super fan, uh, invited the crew over. Well, he didn't invite the them over. Well, no, he, they crashed he, there. He coerced them to crash there. Right. Because and, they were going to Welshie's cousin's place to sleep over in the guest room, which I'd like to say, I'd like to imagine Welshie's cousin is Maidley. <laughs> I'm Adley, <laughs> our friend from Wales. So what happens is they've been kept there for centuries. Right. All except Nimoy, who was not on that trip. And uh, they... Uh, they just did... lived their life with bodies. They just woke up there and they had no clue about Melvar until Leonard Nimoy shows up. Because then... Melvar has the full set now. And he's going to force them to live through convention activities. Yeah. Uh, do a, 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 a script. That he wrote that's terrible. Yeah. Uh, there's like a quiz show where you wouldn't quite lose. Yeah, which I don't know what those are. They're money but, from the gamesters of Triskillian. Of course you know that. Of course. Of course. <laughs> the whole thing is that Fry is actually the bigger Star Trek fan. Better than Melvar. And Melvar gets jealous. Yeah. And uh, eventually they've got to decide to... They're, they're going to try to leave the planet, obviously. But mm-hmm. the Express is also crashed on that planet. At the point where Melvar forces the original cast to do his fan script, and then Fry corrects him that... Oh, you mean that you got my script? Because he had already beaten Melvar in the trivia challenge. Melvar acts like a huge baby, an entitled one, and says, no, we're going to do my script. So that's when Lilo decides, oh, so you don't want us to watch you rehearsing because that would give away the end, right? Basically convincing Melvar to let them go. But then Fry figures this doesn't feel right because they're abandoning people. And it's a whole throwback to how Star Trek taught him to be thoughtful and, you know, explore yeah. and be nice and all that. You they don't go- leave a man behind. He figures that there has to be a way that is very convoluted and hard to explain, but can be summed up with a very easy simile, analogy, pardon, for them to go and rescue the crew. And then Leela goes on some techno babble. To reverse the engine's power into the weapons and set it to Melvar's frequency, and it would zap his whatever, just like filling too much air in a balloon. Exactly word for word yeah. f- for what Fry said. And th- that's one of the TNG references for me, because oh, yeah. they didn't do so much of that on the original series, Yeah, but it's very modern Trek. Oh, yeah. Very. And they do that, and of course it doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> nope, just pisses them off. And, uh, yeah, they get marooned back onto the planet. And then Melvar goes, well, I've been just concentrating on these actors so much. I absolutely 
did not look at this actual space crew who did actual heroic missions to save these guys. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to let you two groups battle to the death to see who's worth my undying, overbearing affection. This is like a common plot in Star Trek. Yeah, because they name like seven episodes. Well, here it is. No, it's four. Here's the list. And these are in production order. Okay. Not airing order. Okay, fair enough. Um, and we know this because, well, because the numbers make sense this way right. but uh, later on there's a line mm-hmm. about balance of terror whether mm-hmm. it's number nine or ten mm-hmm. uh, and um, Melvar is right in that case it is number nine mm-hmm. but you know it was 14th aired so we know yeah, he's yeah, using yeah. production order like a real fan would <laughs> although a real fan would, would mention okay. the discrepancy a, a, a real like a did. real fan would usually know if there's 79 or 78 episodes of the original series because there's always that debate somewhere 79 or, or 80 79 or 80 yeah there's always that debate because one one episode was a two-parter but then mm-hmm. one episode is it two because in production it would be we're gonna film it in one shot yeah and it was it was um right episode 16 was yeah. actually a two-parter yeah so that makes it 80 episodes and i guess the cage the original pilot does not count in that uh, okay i'm the true fan is what it is but <laughs> this was never a debate no i know the episode okay the episodes that melvar lists as yeah. the entity the to the, the entity death. makes people fight to the death yeah. were 1946 56 and 77 that those are arena with the gorn yeah. the gamesters of triskelion yeah with the, the quatloos specter of the gun yeah which was the western one and the savage curtain abraham lincoln in space it's that one okay <laughs> And then Fry mentions, what, 66? Yeah, and Fry says, you missed 66. And that one is Day of the Dove, which is the, there's like an energy creature on the board, the Enterprise, and it's Mm -hmm. making the the, the Starfleet crew and the Klingons fight. Okay. Which is the one where uh, it was Kirk and Spock, and they have to fight with the huge pole? Amok Time. So Amok Time is basically the same episode where... So is there seven? Well, no, Futurama did that episode, because it's the one where... Uh, Zoidberg has to go back to his planet yeah, yeah, because it's, it's mating season. Yeah. And there are a lot of jokes about <laughs> Amok Time. But there's no entity. Oh, okay. That's the, there's so a battle, right. but there's no entity. Okay, it's, so it's, it's specifically entities making them battle. Yes. All right. Wow, that is very specific. Good job, Just those like guys. we can't count the Squire of Gothos, even though the episode actually ends exactly like that one with Trelane, because Trelane doesn't make them fight. He's an entity... He toys with the crew, but he doesn't make them fight. Similarly, Cat's Paw. You know, so it's got to be entity making the crew fight. Okay. Or a conflict between the crew and some other crew. Right. Those were the specific references. (laughs) That explains that. So he makes them fight, but uh, of course... Everything goes ass backwards. (laughs) Everything... Leela is the only competent one, as she should be, because she gets sticks that they can turn into spears. Fry picking up caterpillars so that they can make bowstrings to shoot arrows. I figured that's a wonderful throwaway gag right there. But it pays off later when he actually strings them together, pulls back, and it kind of works. And then he's just covered in caterpillars. And of course, you know, Bender finding a machine gun, emptying it into the air, and then going, Oh. Yeah, the, that whole layer as well. The, the just the stupidity of the yeah the, of the Futurama crew. of the Futurama crew, which is and and usual. then we go back to the Star Trek crew where they basically say we've never fought. We've always had like stuntmen. Shatner goes, remember that time I threw my boot at his head and hits Takei in the face? Okay, we don't really know how to fight. And it shows because Shatner, when he fights Leela, 
does the like the two-handed punch. Yeah, he tries to do the. the he had a, a reality show at one point where it was just slices of life from him, and he. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't know if it was a miniseries or something. I just remember seeing a few scenes where it was him and his daughters at a go kart place outside of Montreal, and there were some guys fancying his daughters, like they were like what fourteen, fifteen, sixteen that age, and he was just like being proud dad, and you know, just kind of cockblocking the dudes from his daughters. And then he was telling, yeah, I was, you know, puffing up. But then I realized I've never been in a real fight. I always had a stuntman. So whenever he'd do his Shatner dropkick, his patented Shatner dropkick, dropkick. that does nothing, first of all, because he would do it at like a standing jump. And there was a trained actor on the other end to fake as if he's taken a massive blow. Right. I've always thought, you know, because it's <laughs> it's just it's you, you kicks with both feet and falls prone to the ground. Yeah. You're just making yourself prone. And That's you're not taking you're not taking a running start and putting your weight into it. And there's someone else reacting as if you were. So it makes no sense. And then he yeah, really it's a good way to actually have a contact fight without you know anyone getting hurt exactly so he's just going through this in his head and he's going right i don't know how to fight i've always had someone on the other end to make it look good for me (laughs) what do i do that episode always triggers that moment because he's like well first of all he's tearing his uniform as if he's already been in a scuffle and everyone's like yeah okay yeah it makes no sense he's not even in a fight yet he's just tearing his uniform well shirtless kirk is a thing it (laughs) happened a lot and i think it was like to show off some pecs well, still back then he was kind of tubby, but you know. Well, I think that was the like the brawny. Yeah, brawny. The time, brawny sixties, seventies guy. People didn't you know, go just, for defined muscles in the yeah, time. Yeah, it's just like oh, you're you're a you're a hefty boy. All right. So in the end, they can't fight. Nope. Uh, even Leela and Kirk end up smooching. Yeah. Well, that's you know Kirk and alien ladies. So they decide to collaborate, and uh, then they patch up the express with the Be- warp cells. We can't use our ship. We have life support, but the engines are wrecked. Ironic, because our engines work, but our life support systems don't. Hey, if your engines work... And your life support systems work... Stop! You're just going around in circles. Think, Fry, think. Everyone's depending on you. Basically, everything works out. Yeah. They leave. They get followed by a... It looks Klingon-ish like... It, it looks like a like bird of prey, but, you know, just not enough to yeah, be followed by copyrights. like an arcade graphic. Yeah. Uh, and it's Melvar firing at them and trying to kill them, which catches us up to the prologue, because the actual, the, actually the show starts... With a trial. Yep. It's Zeb Brannigan putting... And Zeb Brannigan, come on, that's that's their homage to Captain Kirk. The outfits, the red trim with the... I wish there had been a Zap versus Kirk or versus Shatner yeah. bit in there. More of a... I guess there is in the... Maybe the jealousy that Zap has. Yeah. Uh, because Leela and Kirk made, uh, you know, uh, smooched. Mm-hmm. You know, I, they didn't really play that angle. No, they didn't really play that. Because Zap Brannigan is totally a Kirk. Oh, yeah. He's, definitely. He's, he's like, Well... Uh, actually, he's... He's, <laughs> he's been... Kirk if Kirk were ineffectual. Here is how he was described by the uh, <laughs> the cast and crew of, um, of Futurama. Zap Brannigan was always designed to be 40% Kirk, 60% Shatner. <laughs> so, I mean, and he's the Star yes. Trek reference that comes back and again and again and again. Yes, he's, he's like, always there. Yeah, always there. And Kif is sort of the... Oh my God, poor Kif. He's sort of Spock if Spock hated Kirk. Yes. Kind of and himself. <laughs> Being a lackey of Zap yeah. makes you hate yourself. So this trial was going on while there was a space <laughs> while battle. While Melvar was out. shooting at yeah. them. And at this point, the, uh, the the Star Trek cast 
have all jettisoned their bodies and put their heads in, uh, in the in, jars. In jars because there was too much weight on the ship. You guys need to lose some weight fast. <laughs> they just, they just chuck the chop body. their bodies. Uh, <laughs> and so this whole trial thing was, of course, as that Brannigan yeah. ridiculous. And I'm pretty sure there's, there's at least one trial episode in Star Trek as well. Oh, at least several. Yeah. But uh, this one is basically with the, the wheel, the you know, the wheelchair <laughs> is from the Menagerie, the two-parter. Yeah. Uh, where they call episode it sixteen. Episode sixteen, the <laughs> Pike box, <laughs> where Pike is in that. that Once for yes, twice thing. for no. <laughs> Double yes. <laughs> So, uh, so that's obviously that. That's the yeah the reference. The battle continues, and the, um, the Futurama <laughs> cast convince Melvar that if you love these actors so much, if you love Star Trek so much, why are you trying to, to kill them? Right. He realizes his mistake. Well, he realizes well, his mistake. He basically goes, "Oh, so there's more to this than just this one fandom. There's more to life itself." And he kind of has like a, a little moment of. Uh, enlightenment it goes oh i i could move out of my mom's basement maybe get a temp job and fry goes because fry is the eternal slacker whoa, whoa one thing at a time and then melvar gets his you know which is stereotypical but still emblematic of geek culture there's a lot of gatekeeping there's a lot of people who like i've i've known people who oh do, do you watch the show well n- no unfortunately oh well you're an idiot Okay, first of all, if there's one thing that will make me want to take whatever suggestion you're giving me and throw it straight in the garbage is, oh, I haven't watched it. Tell me I'm an idiot or a moron. So there are technically right now some series that I've put in a Siberian gulag that I will not watch. And even when you cross that gate, there are other gates inside because maybe you're you're not watching it right, you're not watching it in the right order. Exactly. You're not, you're not liking the right things about it. You're right. not liking the right era. Oh, like the, 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 the Star Wars machete order. Okay, do I think that it should be that way? No, not really. It's an interesting order to watch it in, I'd say, if you've already seen them, to see how things mm-hmm. sync up. I think that's interesting. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying for someone who's never seen them, maybe watch them in the order they came out so you see where they came from, where they went, and now where they're going. But if you don't watch them that way, you're, not, you're more an idiot than Yeah, no, than no, 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 absolutely not. You know, absolutely not. I, that's my suggestion. I'm not going to blame – like I know some people who their first Star Wars were the prequels because they've just been born in hey, that listen. era. I'm a Doctor Who fan. Yeah. So I know all about the, the gatekeeping. Yeah. And people hating each other over yeah. the classic versus new show, which yeah. doctor or companion they and, like, and which you, era. And you've watched pretty much every single episode. Well, no, yeah, pretty much because... Because some, some episodes are like... Just audio. Audio with a picture and the audio, yeah. there might even be bits missing. But I've experienced every episode. Exactly. And... Uh, I consider myself a generalist. Everything, I like er, something in every iteration exactly. of Doctor Who. Every generation of Doctor Who does have something that's right. positive. And in Star Trek, yeah. I even like some elements of Voyager. Yeah. Some. See, <laughs> not, a few. A few. I can, uh, let me guess. Chakotay, Chakotay, no, no. Chakotay. No, not Chakotay. <laughs> How about when Paris went to Warp 10 became an, a, a lizard? Yeah, no. Those are the, the bad things. Um, oh, when they discovered the Borg network for some reason. But usually I, but yeah. I like to look at these things as a larger entity. Yeah. Some parts are weaker and some parts are stronger. Yeah. But do I like Star Trek? Yes. Do oh, I absolutely. like Doctor Who? Yes. Absolutely. You know. And that's fine. Yeah. So gatekeeping. Oh, and Mel- I, Melvar is a gatekeeper. He is a gatekeeper because if you don't know as much as him immediately right now and did not express the same amount of level of interest 
and love for whatever he's peddling, you're nothing to him. And at the same time, I'd say he's a bad, he's not just a bad fan because of that. Of that. He's focused on trivia. He's focused on knowing all the nitty gritty, uh, which I agree is part of fandom. Right. But he hasn't learned anything from Absolutely watching not. these shows where Fry is... Trivia, trivia... You know, should, Fry has the real ethics exactly. of the show. Trivia should always come second in the sense that a show is out there and it's giving you values. So an example, Star Trek's exploration, openness, whatever, all that. Fry's learned that. And from that, he's got a genuine love for the show and then went and learned the trivia. He went and learned and absorbed the information. Yeah. He watched this so many times. Right. It became part of his culture. For him, it's something that he did out of love and appreciation for the material. However, Melvar just got the material dumped on him, explored it, but didn't learn anything. To be fair, Melvar seems like he's one of the two only entities on his planet. Him and his mom. Him and his mom. He lives in his mom's basement. <laughs> Maybe that's why he couldn't really build friendship, because there's no one else. But And at the end, Melvar is schooled by his mother, of course. Yep. And the cast of Star Trek all go, it was a paradise we had yeah. bodies, we had eternal youth, we had anything yeah. we wanted. 24-hour dry cleaning. Spi- spicy rum. And both regular. Kinds. Both, both kinds. kinds. All and they had to do was uh, put up with one really annoying Star Trek fan, and they all shudder. When Shatner goes, let's get yeah. the hell out of here, yeah. which is the end of City on the Edge of And it's a throwback to the joke when Nichelle Nichols was on the show as part of that think tank. Because she's the one, I believe, who says, Ugh, trapped in this universe for an eternity with a bunch of nerds. Because she's with Deep Blue, Gary Gygax, and all the others playing D&D. For her, that's like hell. So it's kind of a throwback to, again, being trapped with this, you know, rabid, demanding fan. Yeah. Exactly. So that's the story. Yeah. What is... I think we explained it longer than the runtime. Oh, about <laughs> twice or three times the length. Yes! Uh, so what are our favorite bits that we haven't mentioned? I love the interaction of uh, George Takei when Bill gives him instructions like, okay, Michelle, do your fan dance, then George, give him a karate chop. And then George just goes on this rant about just because I'm Japanese. And then he pronounces it karate as karate. So it's like... <laughs> Okay, so if you are doing the full exact pronunciation, does that mean you do know karate? Well, it turns out he does because he uh, karate chops yes. uh, Bender and, yeah. and actually hurts him. Right. So, And yet Leonard Nimoy with the, the, the death pinch, he goes... I wonder if this works. And he does it on Bender, who has no nerves. But on the show, the actual martial art yeah. that um, Sulu knew was uh, was fencing. So it had nothing to do. Yeah, and there's many gifts of him yeah. without a shirt just fencing around so again, the Enterprise. Again, it's, like, it's Shatner being racist and sexist yeah. uh, within <laughs> the confines of the episode. I think what the, my favorite bits in general, they really send up the relationships. So, you know, when... Yeah. Uh, uh, Shatner says, you know, he got a good, a great performance out of himself in Star Trek V because he respects himself. Right. Everybody just in the background making faces go, oh, jeez. I love that because Those it doesn't, it doesn't require the the voice actors to do anything, no? but the animators knew. Like they, in every, like I looked at every expression and they're spot on. Leonard, who goes, you know, because I respect my friend Bill so much, I got a great performance out of him. In four, four space whales. Space whales. Okay. Yeah. 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 I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he directed that one. He yeah. directed the three and four. Yeah. Those bits where you know where yeah. they, they kind of take pot shots at one another or, yeah. or uh, Koenig. Ah, can people who hate Star Trek leave? Good question. And then Melvar's like, no, they have to stay even longer. 
And Bender's just like nuts, and Koenig looks so dejected. He's like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't want I like to be the, there. I uh, also like the uh, bit where um, during the convention uh, oh, yeah. montage, yeah. Uh, the spoken word. Yes, I'm the real Shatner. Slim Shady. I'm Slim Shady. Yes, I'm the real Shady. All you other Slim Shadies are just imitating. So, won't the real Slim Shady please stand up? Please stand up. Please stand up. It's like, how do you do a spoken word of a rap song? He found a way. He found a way. And the <laughs> awe. Yeah. In the voice. <laughs> oh, man. That's like, that's a really good bit. Uh, when uh, Fry, voiced by Billy West, goes up to Koenig and says, oh, Can you say it in Russian? No. Please. We have no waddies. Okay, now say nuclear vessels. No. No. It's just like, no. Like, okay, enough. And the way they've animated Koenig, I, I can see on his face that this has to be true at some point. I, I figure the writers did have a talk with the, 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 the voice actors for this because there's so much little details, especially for the art style. Matt Grenning's art style is very simplistic in a way, mm-hmm. you know, like the Simpsons and all that. So there's only so many facial features you can put in to get a good likeness in that art style. And when Fry says, ooh, can you do it in that voice? Koenig's face just kind of contracts. It's like, not this again. And you can actually feel it. And I think they did get some either visual cues from the actors or talk to them about it because I can't imagine all of this is just uh, the animators going, oh, he's probably really pissed off about this. No, 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 no. There, there was some research put into that. Yeah, there's, it's at least in the script. No, oh, yeah, it's definitely. At least in the script. Um, and um, the one little bit I also like is uh, because it's more of a, I don't know, it's kind of a w- strange wink, is that when they shoot the tapes onto Omega-3 mm-hmm. in the flashback, in the historical flashback, the yeah. ship that does it is uh, one of those uh, moon landers from <laughs> Space 1999. Right. Which... And I like that because, first, I've always liked that design. I like it because it's like Space 1999 is it's the successor of Star Trek. If Star Trek was the 60s yeah, and TNG would grab hold of the 80s, right? what was the space show of the 70s? Of the 70s? And there was like Battlestar Galactica at the tail end. Yeah. But yeah. in between, really, there's the Space 1999, which was never as good a show as um, Star Trek. It, it's kind like, of filled the void. Yeah, it's, it's, so to speak. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so Star Trek ends, and what takes over Space 1999? So it's the Space 1999 ship mm-hmm. that gets rid of the of TOS. Yeah. So I like that. I think yeah. it's clever. It's mm-hmm. clever, and I, I'm not sure everyone would necessarily catch it, mm-hmm. you know, as that type of reference. But you know, it makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. Any others before we uh, move on? I had one, and then you talked about Space 1999, and I lost it. <laughs> it usually oh, wipes your mind. It just... <laughs> it was there. I thought it was good. I was like, I have to remember this. But then I was trying to listen to you as well, because it was very informative and interesting. And then, whoop, gone. While you think about it, there's a... Um, I also want to mention the deleted scene oh, from this yes, show. Oh, let's which... do it. This situation calls for testosterone. Straight up, no cleavage. Anything else would be sabotage. Basically, the only real joke in there is that Zap says sabotage yes. like Shatner does. So that's just a little yeah. just a little trim. I actually remember what I was going to say about the uh, Where No Fan Has Gone Before episode. Uh, Fry mentions that it taught him 
how to prepare for the future. And then Leela immediately counteracts. But that show was set 800 years in the past. Because <laughs> it was like 20... This was like 2200. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and Fry's like, still, I learned. And I was like, yeah, okay. Any other references? Yeah, because obviously Futurama has done many Star Trek it, it, it has touched on everything. Well, the whole uh, the whole army with Zap and everything is very much the Federation, sure. the dupe, and all that. It's it's very much that era, very much the the whole Star Trek. Anything involving Kif, especially when they go to oh, this is a savage dinosaur planet or a cowboy planet or a gladiator planet. All these tropes yeah. of just going to this one planet where everything is medieval or everything is nothing but robots and just. Yeah. That really is a Star Trek thing. Yeah. Um, so I, I like, a, the, I like the single um, planet with one theme. Well, that's it. One thing that's interesting about references is that the arguably the first joke in all of Futurama is a Star Trek reference. Man Frozen in Time? Uh, no. Or um, Icy Wiener? I guess that's Sleeper. But uh, no, it's um, it starts with a voiceover from Fry. Yeah. Space, the final frontier, it goes on and on. Mm-hmm. It, it, so, you, you know, he name drops that classic opening and right. playing a video game at the time it's mm-hmm. just supposed to uh, we think we're already in the future but we're not is the joke uh but i like the suicide booth oh yeah that's um that's from a taste of armageddon really we were talking about the episode uh, that looked like a mock time with with mm-hmm. uh zoidberg yeah and the national anthem of decapod 10 <laughs> is actually the battle music the fight music from star trek <laughs> Oh, yeah. Which is great. Uh, and there's a couple of other references in there to that. Uh, mm. The problem with Poplars is obviously oh the trouble with God. Tribbles. Uh, yeah, but Poplars were delicious. And they ate rotten berries, which was cute. Yes. Uh, there's a 3D Scrabble yep. in the future, which is a ridiculous idea. And one of the very early ones for me was, um, I think it's like episode four, mm-hmm. Love's Labor's Lost in Space, where they go on dates Mm-hmm. And they go to the hip joint. Yes. Right? Uh, Leela is introduced to uh, a, an entity of pure energy. Yeah. Uh, M5438. It's like a blind date with an energy an being. energy being like Melvar. Yeah. So uh, that was like a very, very early yeah. one. Well, I've touched on so many things. Uh, yeah. I've always loved Futurama more than The Simpsons. Mm-hmm. Even the better seasons of The Simpsons. I think oh, Futurama. So the first nine. And I would watch Futurama uh, today, well, and I would not watch any Simpsons. Well, the the reason is is Futurama was written one, for me. Well, yes, this is basically sure. what it is. But um, it was one of Matt Groening's like projects that he wanted to do, regardless. Like he had The Simpsons that was doing very well. Yeah, I mean, technically, it still is. But he was like, okay, now I want to do this. And I want to do this. And he said it's got influences from like Buck Rogers, uh, John Carter, Star Wars, Star Trek, all Battlestar Galactica, all these sci-fi tropes that he used to watch. And for him, this was a passion project. And he didn't really care if anyone watched it. He just wanted to do it. And he did. And he I think Fox has the l- same theory because they they always put it in like the they, wrong They slots. switched it on yeah. time frames and airings and it they tanked the show. Oddly enough, the same thing they did to Family Guy. And what happened is Comedy Central went, a yoink. We'll take that. We'll take that. And gave the show new life. Except the difference between Family Guy and Futurama. With Futurama, Matt Grenning went, okay, so I'm really no longer under shackles of Fox. Yeah, cool. I can do even more. 
And the four made-for-TV movies, Mm -hmm. which was like the fifth season really because the made-for-TV movies were like two, two and a half episodes long around each, wasn't the best. But it did come back, finish the the last arc when the show was canceled, and then brought on the other seasons, which were equally great. If sometimes, if not even better, Hmm. I'd say. At least from the point where the the, the made-for-TV movies were. Family Guy on the other hand, got brought back and McFarlane kind of took it in a, and this is my personal opinion, kind of took it in a different direction and is still going strong. But I saw a clip. Basically the Meg character is the, the butt of the joke, but the joke is always absolutely horrible and mean and despicable. And it's like, Oh, she's going to kill herself. Ha 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 ha. And it's kind of become mean-spirited in that sense, and that's kind of the kind of humor that they're doing. I don't really enjoy that, so they can do it. But meanwhile, Futurama, they just took their idea and just went even further with it. I think maybe 6 and 7 or 7 or 8 are still on my shelf. Yeah. So uh, still got some Futurama to to discover, and apparently as good, if not better. Yep. So says Fern. Where can people find you on the internet, Fern? Uh, I am on Twitter. You can follow me at... At symbol idiot brigadier. I'm also on Facebook. Please don't add me. Uh, <laughs> okay. I'm also part of the Lonely Hearts Romance podcast, which is on the Fire and Water Network, where we read myself, Ciscoid, and two wonderful other uh, dudes. Non-Ciscoid guys. Non- Non-Ciscoid, non-fern guys, apparently. <laughs> uh, we read old golden and silver age romance comics and some new- more modern ones. And uh, we're four dudes, and we give our opinions about that. It's a lot less misogynistic than you'd expect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's, a, it's, it's a bit of fun. Uh, oh, you want to also mention fun. your uh, Skyrim uh, blog? Oh, I, I, I have a blog. I haven't updated it in forever, though. If you haven't read it, yeah, it's new to you. That's fair enough. It's uh, geekoutskyrim.blogspot.com or mm-hmm. CA, whichever one. Whichever, you whatever your country is. Basically... It's a project that you and I started on your radio show where I just fired up Skyrim and you gave me the request that I could not use any weapons or any offensive magic. And I just had to do the game. And I did. A full-on punching, no offensive magic run. Dragon puncher. Dragon punching run. And I did all the game, the main storyline, and all the DLC. Although one of them was building a house. So, I don't know, I just punched the nails in or something. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, yeah, then I did Fallout New Vegas. Then I started Fallout 4. I'm actually thinking of redoing Fallout 4 because I started with the survival campaign, which they changed midway and it became literally impossible to do from where I was when they did the changeover. I'm thinking of doing a run where I am basically John Wick with the dog. Basically uh, in a tuxedo and a pistol. And the blog is just like a synopsis of your adventures. Pretty much. Told in a very humorous well, fashion. I, no, I, I, I don't know if it's very Well, no, I think it's pretty funny and makes yeah. me laugh. So uh, yeah. go check that out at geekoutskyrim.blogspot.com. Yeah, so catch yourself up until maybe Fern gets back to it. Yep. We'll take a short break. Okay. Well, you're going to disappear from the podcast. So no! I thank you. I thank you for your participation. Oh, you um, <laughs> And uh, subspace transmissions are next.
229 different characters spanning the galaxies of the Legion of Superheroes, presented across seven comic book issues. A new miniseries as part of the Who's Who podcast. To handle this many characters, the Irredeemable Shag is bringing in a ringer, or maybe we should call them flight ringers. Who's who in the Legion of Superheroes? Who's who in the Legion of Superheroes? Who's who in the Legion of Superheroes? The Legion of Superheroes. in the Legion of Superheroes? The Legion of Superbloggers team up to present Who's Who in the Legion of Superheroes, a three-episode miniseries in 2017, part of the Who's Who podcast on the Fire & Water Podcast Network. Long live the Legion. In Star Trek news, uh, you're probably tired of me giving you ever later dates for the premiere of Star Trek Discovery, uh, but it may now not release in the fall as expected. You know, what's going on over there? They keep making casting announcements, uh, the most interesting of which, from my perspective, is Rika Sharma from Battlestar Galactica and The Hundred. Uh, she's to play security officer Commander Landry, that's an Acadian name, so that's why, uh, along with several other Canadian actors. Uh, but they've also switched the casting of one of their Klingons, Cole, now to be played by Kenneth Mitchell, while the previous Cole, Shazad Latif, becomes a Lieutenant Tyler. Are they so far behind on filming a show that should have premiered this month that they can make those kinds of changes? Uh, I've heard rumors that the scripts are excellent, but also that the first few completed episodes were unwatchable. So we're at the point where fans are saying there, there'll never be a Star Trek Discovery. It's just a conspiracy to help sell CBS All Access. At this point, I'd almost say they're right. <laughs> On to your comments which have been left mostly at fireandwaterpodcast.com. And these are comments about the four-hour monster I dropped last month, which reviewed the entirety of the original series, episode by episode. We start with Chris Franklin, who says, uh, First off, you're nuts. Uh, second, I'm loving this. Well, that's good to hear. He says, Still listening and just got to shore leave. How can you hate Finnegan and Harry Mudd and Riley in the naked time? Did you lose your funny bone in a tragic transporter accident? Just because there's funny music behind their uh, shenanigans doesn't make them funny. So Chris was one of the contributors to that episode, uh, but here he says, I'm glad I didn't pick Shore Leave. I almost did. I love it. A fun distraction, and there's nothing wrong with that, in my humble opinion. I will say the length of the show didn't bother me at all. The analysis was well thought out and presented. I didn't agree with all your assessments, but I found them to be all fair and balanced. Well, I still say The Way to Eden is pretty bad, but I haven't suffered through it in a while, so maybe I should. Or not. No, you should. He also says, Whom Gods Destroys Only Saving Grace is Yvonne Craig, but she's an early crush via bad girl. And then uh, that he's not a hard science guy, so he's never given much thought to the proliferation of science fantasy as Trek progressed. He says that I've never read that in my many histories of Trek either, but now that you've pointed it out, I can definitely see it. The fact that you added some new thoughts about perhaps the most examined TV show in history is no small feat. You set yourself a Herculean task, and I'm sure Apollo would be pleased with the result. Well, thanks, Chris. And while I think perhaps the episode did scare some listeners away due to its length, 
Uh, I think generally the people who did listen to it didn't think it felt egregiously long. Uh, Rob Kelly says, what a Titanic episode. Uh, at first, the four hour length seemed daunting. But once I realized you were doing the whole series in one go, I was able to relax and luxuriate. Like when I go see a very long movie and it becomes clear early, I'm going to really enjoy it. The extra length becomes a feature, not a bug. I never really considered that the show got more fantasy and less sci-fi as it wore on, but that makes sense after what we know about the production troubles that plagued TOS during season three. Probably a lot easier to write a giant space alien wizard does X than come up Uh, with more science-based dilemmas. David Gutierrez tells us, Well, you did it, Siskoid. Congrats, man. Sorry, I sounded drunk and kept mispronouncing Mitrons in his bit. He says, Thanks for including me in this. I think this should be a weekly show. Uh, then Clinton Robinson says, Four hours? So this episode is only slightly shorter than the first shots of the Enterprise in Star Trek The Motion Picture. Uh, this was a daunting undertaking, but you definitely assembled the right crew for the job. All volunteers, man. Uh, Gord Tolton finally says, New Brunswick winters much, Siskoid? I'm glad you can keep busy in the log cabin. Wow, is all I can say. The five-year mission that only took three years that we've been talking about for 50 years summed up in an afternoon digested as I built my saw shack in the backyard. A well-done tour of the force. In the future, though, why not chunk these up as daily feed kind of things? A show a day or half a season a week or something. You're going to sprain your tongue if you don't watch it. Well done when I meet well done. Well, I certainly learned my lesson. Let's say that. I'm not sure I would <laughs> do Next Generation all in one go, which would be like an eight-hour leviathan of podcasting. I, I don't know what the future is for these review episodes or if I even need to do them Again, because originally this was meant to be a time saver. I, you know, I, I was going to have a few, a uh, couple of difficult months schedule wise, and I didn't think I could coordinate with other podcasters to, to get good guests and uh, have time to prepare. So I decided to just, you know, go through the reviews myself. That, that way I could do it any time of day. Well, any time of many days, as it turned out. So we'll see what happens later, but I'm not expecting to do anything like this again until um, next year, for sure. And um, maybe it'll still be a, a big four-hour bit, but um, instead of chopping things up you know, in, in separate shows, I might look at eras. So maybe the next one should be all the reviews of the animated series and all the original cast movies, and then next-gen in the 80s. So it's basically the buffer until Star Trek becomes super popular again on television. We'll see. Let's end on some Facebook likes and shares then from Aaron Henley, Abel Padilla, Alexander M. Osias, Amy Lynch, Billy Dunleavy, Bodie Pendleton, Brian Cray, Chris Franklin, Clinton Robinson of Coffee and Comics, Chuck Rodriguez, Corey Drew, Daniel Budnick, David Ace Gutierrez, David Fior, David Foster, David Gallagher. These are the days I know, I know. These are the days I know. Some of them are Davids, but most of us are Daves. They all have their own hands, but they come from different moms. D-Bash, Gautam Shoren of Pulp to Pixels Podcast, Jack Dower, Jared West, Jason Pope, Jennifer Lee Breyer, Kevin Lauderdale, Leslie Hall, Trigg III, Mark Lax, Martin Gray, Max Romero, Michael Skidurlo, Mike Gillis, Mike Peacock, Rich Matsumoto, Rob Kelly, Ryan Daly, Sean Emmons, Shag Matthews, Sean Strawbridge, 
And Tim Wallace, over on Twitter, retweets and favorites from Between the Pages, Ken Hohenstein, Chuck Rodriguez, Cindy Womack, Coffee and Comics, Comic Book Insurance, Comic Reflections, Daniel Blake, Dara Hyde, Data Robin, David Gallagher, Dr. G, Nerdologist, EC, Greg A, who was going through it slowly, slowly, making my way through the epic entire TOS episode of Gimme That Star Trek, much like the original Enterprise mission, I suspect this might take five years. Whenever Siskoid wonders why a female random character appears inexplicably, I instantly suspect it's the lustful eye of Roddenberry. Uh, then we have uh, more from Jake and Tom Conker, John Bryan, Longbox Review, who recently found Gimme That Star Trek and is loving it. In episode two, the uh, about favorite next-gen characters, uh, he says Robin Leffler for the win. Then we have Pod Dylan, Sarah the Frustrated, Second Union, Shaban Vict, the BNQ Podcast, Treasury Comics, Trickonomics, Trickbot, We Welcome Our Robot Overlords, Warlord Worlds, and Wild Dog Podcast. As usual, let me remind you that you can leave comments at fireandwaterpodcast.com on the Fire and Water Facebook page or on Twitter with the hashtag FWPodcasts. Until my voice crosses your ears once again, this is Siskoid reminding you to go boldly. Thus, Star Trek was forever scoured from human memory.